Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Oh. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. I can't believe that. Welcome to the SC Playbook podcast for round three of the 2023 AFL season. My name is Eddie Dads. The podcast, as always, is proudly, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Now, we are entering probably the most important three days of your Supercoach season, apart from, obviously, the lead-up to round one. Uh, it is, obviously, the lead-up to round three this week, so prices are about to change. It's your last chance to jump on the players that you might have missed early or offload the players that you might have made a mistake on. Um, I'm going to need some help to unpack everything because there is a stack of stuff to talk about today. My team is in a shambles. Uh, I need all the help I can get. So today I've enlisted one of the greats of the AFL fantasy and super coach game in Rob Rainbird, Rainman on Twitter, if you want to go and check him out. Rainman, how are you traveling today? You got your Carlton, uh, Carlton jumper on, you're up and about. Uh, things are good, I'm guessing. Lid's completely off, mate. Um, undefeated. Um, no, going okay, thank you. Happy to have a good chat about, as you said, you know, one of the most important weeks we've got for the whole year. It's going to be a big one. Uh, I honestly don't know where to go. There's about a million options on the table, uh, which is what makes it great, what makes this game so good. Um, the other one, the other person I've got on the other line is uh, he's looking resplendent in a nice-looking moustache over there. His name's Dylan Bolch. Uh, he's a journal at the Her- Herald Sun, among many other things. He's very active on Twitter, so go and give him a follow. Dylan, uh, what's news with you today? Well, not a lot, mate. Um, just watched the Socceroos get... Um, fall short of Ecuador in a friendly, but yeah, otherwise, just sort of going through the motions this week. Uh, it must be a not not an unfamiliar time for you as a Hawthorne fan. I don't think the club's oh, been in, in this sort of a state for quite a while. I saw Sam Mitchell on uh, Footy Classified last night. It wasn't pretty viewing, I have to say. Um, what do you make of the Hawks' start to the year? Yeah, the lid is not off. <laughs> um, we're in a yeah. I, I think we'll struggle all year, but anyway, we can't really complain. I think I've seen. Four flags in my lifetime already. So, um, you know, look at someone like St Kilda and they've only won one flag ever. So I've had it pretty pretty good. You have indeed. Uh, now, Rainman, your boy's knocking off the reigning premiers on Thursday night at the G. It was a great atmosphere, a great game. They were tested several times. That was the kind of win that, that gives you hope as a supporter, I reckon. So what did you make of uh, Thursday night? Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. I think it was a, a great win. Um, they're the games we traditionally lose, and the, the pessimist Colton supporter will normally look at those and go, here we go, it's it's about to come again. So, But I think, you know, some of our mid-range players really stood up. Um, you know, Ed Kerno, Blake Akers, um, some, of the, some of the smalls. Uh, so it wasn't just focused on the big guys. So I thought it was really good and good signs for the rest of the year, I'm hoping. Indeed. I think, yeah, you guys bulking up that sort of bottom 10 on your list uh, is uh, is really helpful. Blake Akers is a, is a good AFL player and a really savvy get. So Blues are looking great. Uh, Hawks are looking not so great. Bombers are somewhere in the middle, which uh, frankly, at this point in the season, I'm pretty happy about. We uh, saw off the Gold Coast with Carl Langford as our leading forward. So uh, that was uh, just about as good as it gets for me as a Bombers fan. I'm up and about 2-0, and can go through 3-0 this week, which would be amazing. Um, anyway, enough of the real footy stuff. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about on the Supercoach side of things, but before I get your guys' thoughts on everything Supercoach, just thought I'd check in with where your teams are at. This is the first time we've spoken to you, Rainman, so far in this regular season. Uh, so walk me through how your team went over the weekend and how you're feeling about it in general. It's reasonably ugly. Um, a 2092 for me this week. Uh, I did avoid some of the carnage apart from... 
Sean, the big Shrek, Darcy, who I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll, we'll talk about at some stage. Um, my trades actually worked pretty well. So I went early on Dacos and Chandler. Um, so that worked in really well. So it was Dacos, Chandler and Tom Green in for me for Jones, Kelly and Fife. Um, so that they were pretty good trades given that Fife was a, a late out as well. And, and obviously Josh Kelly with some doubt around when he's coming back. Um, so that was okay. Not having some of the popular mid prices is, is hurting me relying with some rookies on the field. So uh, looking to, you know, change up a little bit this week and, and probably go three trades again, but we'll, wow. we'll probably talk through what I'm going to do moving forward and uh, just falling into the same trap I do every year and just churning <laughs> through the trades. Balls to the wall for Rain Man early. I love to see it. Those, I mean, I, to be fair, those trades last week probably couldn't have gone much better for you. Uh, it sounds like you sort of, you've been pretty unlucky to start the year. Um, I've got no such excuse. I've, I've avoided, avoided the carnage last week, but I just don't really like where my team's at. Haven't hit on any of the mid prices really. Haven't hit on Dacos, didn't hit in on a few of the premium mids. Uh, it's, it's looking a bit grim. So I'm very keen to get your guys' thoughts later. Uh, I scored 2144 on the weekend, which is definitely not disastrous. I think that's probably about par. Um, sort of held ranking at 37,000. So we're, we're hovering around the mark. Haven't used a trade yet. Going to probably boost this week. And yeah, excited to get the team back on track. Dylan, uh, what's you, you went absolutely ballistic over the weekend. So walk us through what happened with your team. Yeah, it was far better than round one where I flopped pretty hard, but I scored two two five four um in round two, which has me sitting at um twenty one K overall, uh which is which is better than what it was last week. I, I sort of missed most of the, the carnage. I had I've got Sean Darcy as well, who's a pain in my ass at the moment. Finn Callahan wasn't great either after a, a pretty yeah. good score in round one. So he's a he's a big watch this week, whether I Hold or dump him, but yeah, otherwise it was um, relatively smooth sailing. Yeah, massive score. I think you top scored in our SC Playbook Contributors League, so well done with that one. That's a, a monster. Um, now, rather than ask you sort of you boys how your teams went um, on a granular level with each players, I've decided that uh, this season we're going to be doing a new segment on the podcast, which I'm calling the SC Playbook Most Valuable and Least Valuable Supercoach Player Awards. Um, each week of the season, everyone on the pod is going to give three, two, and one votes out for the most and least valuable players of the week. Now, I've made this criteria intentionally broad. I don't care whether you guys choose from players in the wider comp or players in your team. Uh, I just want to know where your head's at with uh, with Supercoach this week. So I'm going to start us off um, with my MVP votes for the week. Um, one vote I'm going to give to Harry Sheasel, uh, who I thought was brilliant again. Um, he is going to be, he, I, I would be surprised if he's not my last upgrade. Um, that's how good he's looking at the moment. 114 for him. Looks brilliant. So composed, so calm. Two votes go to Will Day, um, who bounced back from a bit of a rough outing in round one, gave me 98 points on the weekend, um, and is actually making things a little bit difficult in the sense that I don't want to get with, rid of him which does curb some of my flexibility with trades-wise. So he gets two votes. And the three votes for the week, uh, after giving him three votes for least valuable player last week, it's going to be Rory Laird that gets my three votes. Uh, I was in Adelaide, I was at Adelaide Oval on Saturday Arvo to watch that game in person. And yeah, I think it's fair to say round one was an anomaly rather than any sort of trend. Uh, he was back to his best. Rain Man, um, yeah, what do you, where have you gone with this award for this week? Uh, and yeah, run us through your, your three, two and one. Yeah, number one, I'll start with uh, Will Ashcroft. He he really delivered on what we thought and and knew that he could deliver. And he just looked like a guy that's already played 150 games, very seasoned, lots of time. Um, The way that he just hunts the ball, really clean hands, uh, bobbed up for a goal and not much more to say. You know, we all picked him for a reason. He really showed what he could do. Uh, Two votes, uh, probably a big trade target for me this year. Talked him up in pre-season, never 
picked him, which is much to my chagrin. Uh, LDU, Luke Davies, Uniac, mm. um, just again, just looked like uh, being a Carlton fan. Uh, it was a Chris Judd memories. Um, he looked, uh, looked very, very good. And three votes for me has been probably the most talked about guy this week uh, was my trade-in target, uh, Nick Dacos. He was, he's just sublime. There's, there's not many other words to describe what he did, the fact that I brought him in and, and he delivered that as well. Yeah. Uh, little fond place in my heart. He's something else. I haven't seen many second-year players like him. I think we, we did mention on the pod last week, but very much struggling to think of a guy outside of like a Judd maybe that was this good this early. Um, so, yeah, very, very impressed by him, and I'll be surprised if he's not in, coming into a lot of teams this round. Uh, Dylan, uh, what have you got for your 3-2-1? Yeah, sort of similar train of thinking. I gave one vote to Darcy Cameron, who I, I don't own, but I might own this time next week. Um I think he's, for a guy that was 465k, I think, um, a lot of people went on him, but there was a little bit of, a bit of diversity between, you know, your Tim Englishes, your Camerons, your Wits, your Darcy's. I think he's sort of paid on as well. Um, those that started with him, two votes, Nick Dacos, we've, we've spoken about him, and I gave the three to Rory Laird as well. I think his ability to bounce back when a lot of people traded him out was uh, a good reward for owners, and I had the, um, the vice-captaincy on him as well, so that was yeah. a, a nice little bonus. Same here. Yeah, backed him in after one of the one of the roughest weeks in uh, in recent Supercoach memory, I reckon, just given how high our expectations were for him and how badly he performed. But yeah, great to see him bounce back. Uh, my least valuable pay- player. Uh, sorry, before we get to least valuable, I did want to give some shouts to Liam Jones. Uh, he was excellent, I thought, bouncing back. Errol Goulden again, and Jacob Hopper as well, I thought was really good over the weekend in terms of notable performances. Uh, the least valuable player, I, I think... Yeah, Jordan Ridley, uh, he's probably going to make way for Dacos for me this week. He gets the one vote uh, really underwhelmed after a really positive start to the year. Two votes go to Finn Callahan. Uh, I didn't see the Giants game. I'm going to need to rely on you guys for, for what actually happened there. But 45 points is uh, not what we want. Well, not what the doctor ordered from him. And then three votes. I'm going to be shocked if he doesn't get another three votes, at least one in one place in this podcast so is Sean Darcy. 41 points, giving us all um, conniptions. Uh, he looked, uh, I just don't understand how this is happening. Um, Rob, can you make any sense of what, what Freo are doing with, with Sean Darcy at the moment? Oh, just, Justin Longmuir needs to buy a mirror and have a long, hard look at himself, seriously. Um, you, you're putting Shrek in the goal square. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I think, look, the positive is he did uh, switch it around a little bit in the last half, and I think you know that's when Prior seemed to come back into the game. So, hoping that that is more indicative of what we're going to see, um, and not the you know the Darcy Peter Hudson experiment. Yeah, it's not going to work. Uh, Dylan, where'd you go with your least valuable three two ones? Yeah, so I gave one vote to Finn Callahan, um, underwhelming. He did have a shoulder niggle and, and spent some time off the ground, so I sort of cut him a little bit of slack for that. Campbell Chester with the two votes, he's just been. Mm. Hasn't been anywhere near it, um, and I think it could be. I might use a corrective trade on him this week potentially to to Cade Chandler as as Rayman touched on before, and then yeah, Sean Darcy with the three votes. He's uh, well and truly in the firing line. Yeah, it's not good at the moment. Very unhappy with what we're seeing from him. Uh, yeah, Rayman, what about you? The the last chance to sink the boots into a couple of players. Uh, what did you make of the the week from a bad perspective? Look, it was exactly the same as Dylan's, so I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. Wow. Um, I thought Callahan looked a little bit cooked and conscious that that shoulder wasn't great, but he just didn't didn't look right. So I wonder what the Giants do there. They might might even give him a spell. Um, 
Chess, kind of not what it, what was written on the tin. You know, I was hoping that for something a little bit better, but he he does, just doesn't look up to it at the moment. And and Big Shrek, um, just such a letdown. And you know, I'm only thankful that he did get past that kind of five points he was on um, to get us somewhere that was some level of respectability. I've got a special shout out though, not necessarily to a player, but coaches that name debutants as sub, mm, they can get in the shocking. team. Like seriously, that is just it's so poor. Um, so if we can have a least valuable person, uh, not player, it's, you know, those coaches, which I think was Simpson and Scott this week, uh, just don't do it. It's poor. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, surely you want the most hyped up player in the team to be on the ground from the first bounce. You would have thought that's when they're going to have their most. And if I was, if it was me, I'd be sitting on the bench, you know, expelling all this nervous energy. I, I wouldn't be able to play when I came on. Um, so yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me that one. Uh, now boys, you've been listening to me talk a lot about home loans over the last 12 months in the show. And most people are probably thinking they're way off being in that position and that it's irrelevant to them. But the boys at Mortgage Choice SCW can get you a loan for pretty much anything. It doesn't have to be a house. So if Santa brushed you for a PS5 this year, or maybe the toolbox needs an upgrade and your boss is too stingy to chip in, Patty and George can make the dream a reality. And the best part, the $129 fee is waived when you mention SC Playbook. These loans are quick and easy with the money dropping in your pocket within days. So after a few years of COVID treating, causing us grief, treat yourself in 2023 and shoot them a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on our website for the email, phone details, or QR code if that's easier. Boys, we have an absolute stack of things to get through this week. So I'm not going to, not going to hold back from the big issues any longer. Uh, I've got, a, I've got about six questions for us to discuss today. Uh, so we, we're going to do our best to keep this in a friendly time limit, but there is a lot to talk about. The first one that I want to discuss, and I, I normally rank these in order of importance, and I've gone a bit selfish today because he's, he's in my team. So I want to find out what we should do with Jack Steele. So. Dylan, uh, before we get really stuck into the options here, um, what have you heard about the injury? Um, what sort of time frame are we looking at? Is there any feasibility of holding him or is this a definite trade? Uh, he's a definite trade. I think it's a, um, a shoulder collarbone injury. He'll be out at least a month. Um, yeah, trade him out. Yeah, it's as simple as that, unfortunately. There's not much debate. I think we're, at this point in the season, you can't really afford to hold him. So assuming that it's a trade out, Rob... Um, I probably see there's three separate options here that we can discuss one by one. So the first is, do you sideways trade to an LDU who's looking amazing? Um, they're pretty similar price. I think you make 40, 50 K on that one. Stephen Cornelio, if you missed him like me, um, and you've got, you went with the Errol Golden option instead, do you correct to a Cornelio type or a green type? They're probably the three sideways. You could also upgrade. He's at a, he's at a slightly, he's at an inflated sort of late 500s, um, price tag, Jack Steele. So you could, if you can find a bit of cash, you can get up to an Oliver, a Tuke Miller or a Callum Mills who've all started the year very well. Or the most intriguing option, in my opinion, which is downgrading to a Will Setterfield or a Matt Rowe type that are both looking good, um, have had, lo- have low break evens, are going to make a bit of cash and could potentially be a sort of last upgrade slash M8 kind of type. Now, let's go straight to the downgrade option, Rob. What do you think of Will Setterfield and um, and Matt Rowell, and in particular, Setterfield? I'm going to load up here a little bit because I'm seeing so much love for Setter Goat. Uh, you would think that he was, you know, the reborn Gary Ablett at the moment, and I think we just need to temper our expectations. Mm. So that the amount of people that are trading in Will Setterfield um, as a premium and uh, inverted commas there uh, for a guy that um, you know has started started the season on fire. Certainly, no doubt about that. But a, a 99 and a 147 
Um, you know, he's playing Gold Coast. Um, I scored 210 on Gold Coast on the weekend just just from my lounge room. So, you know, they're, they're not going well. I think mids versus the Suns, we saw Gould and Warner. Uh, Dylan Stevens scored a ton on Gold Coast Suns. So I think we need to temper that a little bit. And he's he's got a couple of challenging matchups coming up as well. So the Saints this week probably look good on paper. Bond's the only mid that scored 100 against them at the moment. Um, so, you know, I think we need to really temper what we're going to do with Setterfield and, and be really clear what we expect from him. So he's going to be an upgrade again at some stage. Are you willing to do that? So um, I'm seeing just the hyperbole on Twitter of, you know, Setterfield being a, a top eight mid uh, based on one game of 147. I just, I can't get my head around it. We, we've got to look forward and not backwards. So um, I could go on. I probably won't. Um, but I've got pages of notes on on my thoughts on Will Setterfield. Not knocking him as a player. And this is no Colton... Um, sentiment coming out at all uh wish him all the best he just couldn't fit into our midfield so i'm really glad to see him doing well but i think we need to temper our expectations around setterfield and, and therefore i think you know the options around someone like jack Steele um are either that that sideways or their upgrade and, and i think the other one sideways probably to mention too is we've talked a little bit about nick dacos mm. nice easy swing to him if that's your way to get him as well Indeed. Now, I think there is a right of rebuttal on Will Setterfield. And um, yeah, some of the chatter has, I agree, probably been a little over the top. I, I personally wouldn't be buying him, expecting him to be a top eight mid. But I do think there's an argument that he could get you to the point where you only need sort of a 20, 30, 40K to get to a top eight mid, um, which I think would be a really good outcome come, you know, pre-buyers or around that time. Dylan um, Setterfield, yeah, as as Rob said, couldn't quite make it work at Carlton. Um, he did show some signs, though. Round 22 and round 23 last year went 98 and 87 in back-to-back games, had 24 and 26 disposals. Then um, it it feels like he's one of those guys that when he's got the role, he can score. Um, it's do you are you in more in Rob's camp of no, this is a silly idea, or are you kind of are you leaning towards bringing in Setterfield? Uh, I think I am probably slightly with Rob. Um, I, I don't hate the pick, but like at the end of the day, we spoke in preseason about Gold Coast midfield mix. At Essendon, you've got Darcy Parrish, who people are expecting to go anywhere from 110 to 120, I would have thought. You've got Zach Merritt in a similar range. How many points are they going to be for, for centre field? I know he's got the role and he had a stack of centre bounce attendances on the weekend, but yeah, I, I just think that, you know, like this time last week, we weren't really talking about him anywhere near as much. He comes out, has a blinder, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, the next best thing. I, I just think we should temper expectations a little bit, especially when, you know, a lot of teams have Hopper in that position. I know there's some doubt around whether he plays this week, but I certainly wouldn't be sideways trading from Hopper. Um, you know, you've got Warples and Sheeds that are in teams as well, and then, you know, you've got mid-prices in, in the defence and the forward line too. I, I think I certainly wouldn't be throwing team structures out to fit, fit Setterfield in. The thing, other thing to note about Settlefield, which I did touch on before in terms of getting him to a price where he can almost be sideways to a premium. Bryce, Mitch, Bryce Mitchell on Twitter has the Supercoach price projections. He's got Settlefield hitting 504k by round eight, which, yeah, as I mentioned, is, is around that mark where it's only, you know, you're in, re- you're in reach of a fallen primo at that point. You, you, you know, you're only 20 to 30k away from picking up someone really decent that could be a top eight mid. So I think if you were to do that, if I was to do the trade, that would be the mindset that I would be going into it with. Um, that it's more of a, a stepping stone kind of play. I'm, I'm recalling sort of a Taylor Walker esque situation last year when Walker went ballistic to start the season and people brought him in and then were able to offload him to, yeah, one of the fallen primos at that point. So that's more where I'm leaning to it. 
Um, I think we could talk about Setterfield all day, so I might cut that one short because the yeah that that one's going to be a tough one to figure out. Uh, Rainman, I wanted to find out in terms of the premium options if you were to upgrade Steele to to a guy that you know is in that sort of mid to high six hundred k range. Uh, who do you like in that bracket? Yeah, I'm in that position at the moment, Eddie. I, I own Steele, um, and I did mention LDU a little minute ago, who, who's on my radar, but certainly Clary, I think. Um, you know, I've, I'm a, a big fan of Clary, have been. He started in my team, I think, pretty much every year for the last four or five. Got scared off a little bit um, with the preseason games and the talk of a bit of a halfback rotation. I should have known it was just not going to amount to anything, and he showed what he could do against Brisbane on the weekend. He was sublime. He was everywhere. Um, that's not going to change. So yeah, Clary is Clary. He's consistent as the day is long. I think um, the other couple of options you mentioned there with Took and Mills, I think Took's still working back um, into it, obviously, with a bit of a delayed pre-season. And Mills, that role is always going to be a question. So uh, particularly with the emergence of Goulden and, and where do we see, you know, horse plug the gaps with, with Callum Mills because he is that gap plugger and he's a very good gap plugger and he can score in most points. But I think for the outlay that you're getting there, you're wanting a 120 average. Um, I don't know that we could we could kind of tick that off with Callum. So the other option, if you're not going to go up to any of those guys, I think, yeah, the last option that we have is the, the bit of a sideways trade. Now, I think there are a couple of clear options here. Now, Steele is at 605K. You can get him straight across to Darcy Parrish, who I think has probably had an underrated start to the season. A lot of people did pick him. He's averaging 116 across his two games. And I think done it, most importantly, done it quietly. Like it hasn't been an outrageous Parrish performance, uh, which is probably, we're probably due one of those soon. So he's an option. Um, I think if you don't have Marcus Bontepelli, that's a that's a bit of a no-brainer. I'd probably be bringing in him. Um, and then Tom Green, Dylan. Uh, I do know a lot of people would have started with Tom Green, but if, if you haven't started, with, if you didn't start with Green, uh, is that another logical option for you for, for Steele? Yeah, I think it is a logical option. I think if you can get up to an Oliver or a, or a Tweak Miller type, I'd, I'd probably do that. But if you don't have the funds, I think Green's a, a great option. He... Did uh, Ruben Jinby ran with him a little bit um, Sunday night, but he seemed to score okay. I think he ended up with 106 um, in the end. And is that a little bit cheaper um, than your, your top line guy? So, yeah, I think Green's a, another good option if you're looking for a, a slightly cheaper premium. Now, before we get move on to our next topic, I did just want to mention now that we're in the, we're in the realm of injuries that it's probably worth mentioning uh, Jacob Hopper here as well, who did a really nasty looking knee slash ankle live. Uh, he did come out and play out the game, which I was very surprised by. Um, he has been, uh, he, he's apparently doubtful. Uh, according to Rich, according to Damien Hardwick uh, and a couple of the other Richmond guys out there. So um, we're going to have to wait and see on that one. That's going to be a test on Wednesday night. I think they said we'd have news on that one. So Hopper's the one to keep an eye on as well. I, I probably wouldn't be trading him, right, Rain Man? Like, I don't think that's a necessity. If he's close to playing, it means he's probably just a one-weeker. Yeah, I think so. And I think that that's, you know, people have... have... I feel like people are using trades like free lollies at the moment a little bit, um, but that these things come up uh, and, and you've got to be quite disciplined on, on what you're going to do so you can continue to chase points. And there's a fine line between going super aggressive and just going a little bit stupid. So I, I feel like Hopper feels like one week. Um, you've got the week to think about it anyway. So, you know, if it then comes out and, and it's further weeks than that, I think just sit on it this week and, and have a think. Because I, I think he, he looked actually really good. I'm, I'm a non-Hopper owner. I'm one of 
the few. Um, so uh, I thought he looked really good on the weekend. So seeing him back in, he's he's going to pump pretty well to get him to where you need to from a stepping perspective. I agree. I think after that 67 in round one, um, if you'd follow that up with another 70-odd or 80-odd, I think we would be in a very different position. But he was he had 119 and he was everywhere and, and looked every bit the player that we thought he was going to be. So I think, yeah, I think that one's a hold regardless of what happens Wednesday night, unless we get a two-week injury or something, then we can reassess. Um, now, obviously, as we discussed, this is the last week before prices change. So this is your last big chance to make any corrections. Now, we've mentioned a few in the... Uh, in the bracket of midfielders, but I wanted to talk about defenders because there's just a just an infinite number of options here, and I need to get your thoughts on them. So, Dacos is the obvious must-have defender, I, I guess in quotation marks. He's the one that that feels like you know you can't really miss out on him. Um, what about people who are looking for more of a POD, Dylan? Is there is there anyone else apart from Dacos that really stands out to you in defence at the moment if you're looking to make a corrective trade? Oh, it's so hard to know based off like just two weeks of data, and I think. You know, the guys that you're probably talking about when you speak about point of differences are point of differences because we weren't talking about them in the preseason and and it's often too early to know whether they're at, they are going to be a, a good pick. I, I don't mind Mason Redmond um, as a slightly different option yeah. um, at the Bombers. I think he he's looked good. Um, but, yeah, after that, I, I, I think Adam Saad maybe from mm-hmm. Carlton, but, but that's a... Um, He's pretty expensive, so you'd want to be. I'd, I'd personally want a little bit more certainty there. Um, yeah, I, I think at the moment in defence, just keep it simple. You've got your got your Doherty's, your Sisley's, your Dawson's that are your, your top liners, and then if you want someone slightly cheaper, Dacos is is the man to go. I think. Rob, what about there's there's a few of the Frio boys getting a lot of love, and for obvious reasons, Luke Ryan and Brennan Cox. Cox they're averaging 146 and 142 respectively. Ryan's at 530k. Cox is at 445k. Um, yeah, what do you make of that? Is that is that a worthwhile thing to be looking at? Or as Dylan says, is that too small of a sample size? Yeah, it just can't be sustainable at that. We've, we've seen Ryan pop uh, over seasons, but he's always been up and down. So, you know, you never generally see a sustained run from him. Uh, Cox is one out of the box, absolutely. Very good player. I, I like him a lot as a player. But their their game's not stacking up. We can see by their results at the moment. So, you know, Longview has got to switch things up a little bit. I, I, there's even whispers of, you know, Cox moving forward. So mm, what, what does that do to, to his scoring as well? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd just, again, hold some caution, get some more data points. I think the other one, that the two that I had down were, were exactly who Dylan mentioned, uh, both Redmond and Saad, who I think are, are really good. The other guy who's on exactly the same total points as them at the moment, super expensive. But Jack Sinclair's gone under the radar a little bit. That was um, who I was going to mention. Yeah, he's kind of just popping from last season, just getting it done with, with very little fuss and, and really building late into games as well. He's tending to pop out, you know, 40-point last quarters, uh, which is really getting him there. So 626 is a lot of coin to cough up, though. Um, but if you were looking for a really unique pod, I think he's probably in about 7% of teams. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it could, could be a good one to jump on. I like those three options. Now, in order to get to one of those options, and, and even a day cost, as we mentioned, is probably the, the the clear standout there. But to get to one of those guys, you are probably going to, yeah, the most common option is going to be under get, flicking an underperforming sort of Doherty or Ridley or Brayshaw types. Now, I think I think we're probably all holding Doherty, right? The, none of us here are, are, are too strictly thinking about getting rid of him. No, you're shaking your heads at me. Good, that makes me feel better. Um, I think probably the one for a lot of people, Rob, and you and I talked a lot about him in the preseason, is Jordan Ridley. Um, had a really promising week one, uh, really, really dispiriting, terrible week two from a super coach perspective. So what do you make of Rids? Do you think he's a hold at this point? It feels like a real coin flip to me. 
Yeah, it really does. And as a non-owner, you kind of come in with your own bias as well. I feel like he is a hold. He's shown what he can do, obviously, over previous seasons. But what we saw in the preseason and round one, round one, he was very good, I thought. Um, Zerk Thatch is probably the, the kicker. So if, if Zerk Thatch is playing, it feels like it, it frees up Ritter's a little bit. Um, and he did have that that dominating score against the Saints in the preseason match where I think we all piqued our interest. They obviously played the Saints this week. So I think that's an interesting watch. The Saints are pretty small up forward. They've got, you know, when they've got big Cordy and Machido Owens and Caminiti leading up their, their forward line, the undefeated Saints look, you know, they look pretty good. So, um, but, but they're not big. So I would think that Rids, you know, might maybe gets off the hook a little bit and can play that free roaming intercept defender. I'd personally wait another week on him, but that lure of Dacos is, it's pretty hard to ignore. It's getting very, very hard to ignore. Dylan, where would you stand on that one? Because I think that w- what I decide to do with Ridley and whether I go from him to Dacos is really going to shape my week from a trade perspective. So what would you do in that situation? I, I think if you don't own Dacos, I would probably pull the trigger. I think there's too many question marks over Ridley's role and how, especially if, if Zerk Thatch is out injured. I know he tweaked his ankle late. And I haven't seen an update on that since, but... If Zerk that is out, I could see Ridley having to play key. And if he's playing key position, that's no good at all for Supercoach. So I think if you don't own Dacos and you have Ridley, I'd probably be pulling the trigger there. Um, I, I do understand the, the point of view of waiting another week. But, you know, if you do wait a week and Dacos goes 120 again and Ridley goes 70, all of a sudden you might get priced out of that trade. So I think as much as I, I'm a big um, believer in holding fire early, I think this is one where you probably just bite the bullet and uh, make that trade. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm leaning towards that option as well. I, w- I was actually going to ask you guys about a few of the other underperforming sort of premium price defenders, but there actually aren't that many. Uh, Andrew Brasher is only in 6% of teams. So we might leave those alone. I think Ridley's probably the main point of discussion there, given uh, the amount of teams he found his way into. Uh, I think he's in. Uh, 12% of teams. Uh, Rob, you got you. You wanted to say something about yeah, him? Yeah, I'm an Angus Brasher owner. I oh, you are. Actually took him, mm. took him as a player. There you go. Um, actually don't mind it. Like he, his game has actually been okay. Uh, for, for the scores that he's got. So, you know, I, th- I think he might have pulled an 88 or an early 90 on the weekend. Probably not what we signed up for, but I'll take that as a bad game, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and, and I reckon the Ds are a really good thing this year. They were obviously disappointing on the weekend, but they'll bounce back from that even without Big Macs. So, uh, yeah, I, I think someone like him, you know the role. It's probably a little bit different to Ridley. You know the role. He's going to float through that halfback. He's going to throw, float through the mid. He's probably not going to be out on those wings, which is you know, the death of his scoring. So I think he, he's probably a hold. Yeah, that's a, I think that's probably more on the, the hold side than Ridley. I think, if, yeah, as you say, I think it's more a role-based thing. And like you touched on earlier, Rob, if if, um, if Zerk Thatcher can't go and he's been taking sort of the key forward for, for most of the Bombers' opponents so far, I think that is probably going to mean Rids has to shift up and play a more of a key defence role. So, yeah, that doesn't thrill me, that prospect. And uh, Zerk Thatcher's injury didn't look good at the time. Now, we're spending a lot of time on defenders, but I did want to quickly ask you guys about a couple of mid-prices, uh, particularly Will Day, Dylan. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts as a Hawks man on on where you stand with, with Day's season so far. He is in 9% of teams, so he's in the top 20 in terms of ownership in defence. What have you made of, of his two performances so far? Yeah, he's done okay. I think he, he's played through the midfield. Um, just let me bring the, the centre bounce numbers up now. I think he had... Uh, it was... Um, had 63% of centre bounces on mm. the weekend, so up from 26 the the week before, which is which is a positive for his scoring, I think. Um, and at the end of the day, 
we're shit this year. So um, you'd want to yeah. give the young guys a, um, as much opportunity as possible. So, yeah, I think Day's a, a certain hold. I actually saw on Footy Classified last night, I mentioned Sam Mitchell was on there. They did ask him about the the sort of um, strategy of shipping off veterans such as a Tom Mitchell and a Jager O'Meara. And what Sam Mitchell said in response was, uh, we wanted to get more time to our young midfielders like Will Day. Um, yep. so he was, he was the first sort of name that came into Mitchell's head when it came to talking about mid time, which I thought was a really big tick. Um, yeah, played a lot of juniors through the midfield as well, which is always a, a positive thing. It's not something that, that they're forcing. There is a little bit of history there as well, um, which is always a, a good thing, I think. Indeed. Um, I think I'll be keeping him. Um, he was looking like a day cost trade, but I think I'm going to hold into him now. What about another guy that I think Bandit owns, um, Rainman, and that's, uh, that's Braden Campbell from Sydney. Uh, what have you made of his start to the season? I've been really impressed personally. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's, um, he's ticking along really well. That, that Swans kind of halfback line, um, is always an interesting one. They've got lots of similar types that, that go through there, but Campbell's legs are, are, are really good. I like the ball in his hands. He makes good decisions. His disposal is very good. So Bandit's jumped on a really good one there. I'd, I'd continue to ride him as far as you can. Um, clearly, you know, DPP in particular for defenders is going to be interesting come round six. There's a couple of guys we'll probably talk about soon around a Jack Zebel and, and obviously a Harry Sheasel that look like Monty's to pick up defender status. So that that then raises a bit of a question around how many of those kind of mid-prices you want in, in that as well. So I think that's something we need to consider moving forward. Definitely. And Campbell in just 0.8% of teams. So that's uh, an excellent pick from Bannon. I think his his floor feels low. Uh, his ceiling perhaps feels a little less high than a day type. But yeah, if you manage to jump on him and yeah, if you are looking for a, a sort of 300k defender that you that you want to bring in some cash or whatever, I, I think he's a pretty good option down there as well. You're going to get your value for money. Now, we did talk a lot about midfielders previously, so I'm not going to spend too much time on them except to ask um, you, uh, you Dylan, what your thoughts are on? Uh, there are a few sort of underperforming primo mids, and I've listed here Lockie Neal, Jack McRae, Brayshaw, and Ollie Wines uh, as the guys that I think probably haven't started the year as they'd want to, they would have wanted to. Let's just touch on Neal first. Uh, anything you see there that concerns you with uh, with Lockie's role in this new Brisbane midfield? Uh, not really. I don't think. I know that the tackle numbers have been low. I don't think he laid a tackle against the D's on on Friday night, which is a little bit of a concern. But, like, at the end of the day, he still scored two pairs of 90s, I think. So, you know, as Rain Man mentioned before, I think people have been a little bit willy-nilly with the trades. He seems like a certain hold to me. Um, they could quite easily score 150 this week, and not, that wouldn't surprise anyone. So, yeah, I think that's a definite hold. And it's annoying that he hasn't hasn't scored all that well. But, I mean, if you look at someone like Laird, who's a, a similar price point, they've over the course of the two weeks, they've scored virtually the same anyway. So... Yeah, I think that's a, a little bit of an overreaction and I would be holding him for sure. Yeah, he's gone 95 and 100 in his two games. So I agree, an overreaction. The other one, um, Rain Man, is, is Jack McRae. And similarly, I think some of the reaction to him has been a little overblown too. He went 106 and an 85 in his first two games. So it hasn't been a disaster, but I think it's more the role that is concerning people at this point. He does seem to be pushing forward a lot. He's not playing solely through the midfield. Would you be worried as a McRae owner or are you a McRae owner? I'm not. Um Thankfully, I think in this instance, because I am quite concerned with his role and we know that Bevo is never a fantasy or super coaches coach's friend. Um, and I feel like he's going to continue to spin the magnets a little bit, particularly with their start to the season. So um, I kind of talked pre-season a little bit in our group chat that I thought McRae was on the decline a little bit and that they needed to bring some additional pace into their midfield. I wonder if that's what's happening at the moment. Obviously, Baz is, is getting through there. We're seeing other teams bring in some of those zippier you know, forwards, whether it be a 
a Cosy Pickett or a Rochelle come through in, in some of the other teams. And I wonder if that's where, you know, the, the dogs are starting to think about going with some of this and, and shipping some of the older, older bods out. Um, I, I don't know that. I, I just have a concern, particularly based on the similar concern we have with Shrek Darcy around where he was positioned. So that role is a worry. And yeah, I, if there was an option to get McRae to a day cost for argument's sake, um, I'd, I'd definitely pull the trigger on that. Let's go straight on to Sean Darcy then, because that's a relevant topic change. Randman, I did see you on Twitter today uh, asking about the ruck splits between Darcy and Luke Jackson. Um, I think from memory, Darcy had 52% and Jackson had 48% for the game. Uh, you were watching the game. What did you make of those splits? And in particular, the role that it looks like Darcy has uh, has carved out for himself, unfortunately, in this Freo team. Yeah, I, th- I think the interesting thing is you've got to break those down quarter by quarter. And if you look at that, it was very heavily biased to Jackson in, in the first half of the game. Uh, to the towards the back half, it was then 15 and 8 and 18 and 6 for Darcy, in Darcy's favour. So mm. effectively 70% in the back half uh, of that game where Frio started to you know gain some ascendancy and obviously just missed the biscuits at the end of the game. So I'm hoping from that that, you know, along with me on the coaching staff have seen that Whilst um, you know Jackson, obviously all over the back, Australian today around you know taking one mark across across mm-hmm. two games. He he's not that guy. He he wasn't recruited as a forward. He's recruited as a you know Brody Grundy esque type ruckman. So I think they've just got to figure out how that how that split works. Um, Shrek's a hold for me this week. He, he comes up against a Nick Natless. West Coast, um, who he's got a, a pretty good record at, back at Optus again. So he gets another week for me. If it goes pear-shaped, he, he doesn't drop by enough to miss out on it, Darcy, and Darcy Cameron doesn't come up enough to miss out on each other. So it's still a good hold for a week. And, you know, Dylan talked uh, uh, glowingly around Darcy Cameron before. I'll probably share the same sentiment. So I think if Big Shrek fails this week, um, you can still go to Cameron. You don't have to pull the trigger right now. Yeah, I think that's a smart option because, yeah, like you say, it, it is very matchup dependent and it, you know, they do have an easy matchup this week. Let's face it. Now, um, it does worry me that longer term that this is not going to be a sustainable way. Well, I just don't see how this works unless Jackson's not in the team, which they can't have because uh, they paid so much money for him and he's such a young prospect. And uh, it, it, the whole situation just worries me. Uh, it, it feels like one we should have seen coming in preseason. Um, yeah, it's an annoying one. I agree that it's a hold. Dylan, I did want to find out about Darcy Cameron. Um, he's going to be one of the more popular traded in players this week in Supercoach. Um, what have you seen from Cameron in these first two games with Collingwood? Because similarly with, um, with Darcy, we had that worry in the preseason about Mason Cox potentially taking a bit of his role and, and forcing him uh, into the goal square a little bit. So what have you seen out of the pies over the first two games that can perhaps explain why Darcy Cameron's been so, been so hot to start the year? Yeah, I, I think he's just got a, a good game for Supercoach at the end of the day. Like, the, the centre bounce numbers is, numbers have been like a 65-35 split with Cox. Um, but when you compare it to the Darcy-Jackson situation, Mason Cox isn't on 900 grand a year or whatever it is that, that Jackson's <laughs> on. So I think there's a little bit of, um, I guess you can you can flick him and send him to the goal square for, for extended periods of time like you might not with a, with a Luke Jackson type. Um, and like at the end of the day, he is that little bit cheaper. He's 460K, whereas um, I think the alternative to... Um, the alternative trading option from a Darcy is probably Tim English and he's 580k. So there, there is a little bit of, um, I, I do like the English pick potentially even more, but the risk with that is that, you know, English has a pretty big injury history. And if he goes down, then I know in my team, I don't have any backup. 
Um, a lot of people have Nick Madden at F3, and for those that do have Radigalia, I'm not sure that you'd you'd back him in as a uh, as a cover anyway. Um, he's looked like he'll be a very slow burn. Um, so I think there's two options if you do have Darcy, and that's you either pay up for Tim English, who's flying at the moment, or you look at um, Darcy Cameron. And as Rain Man said, you can afford to wait a week and hopefully Darcy pops off against the Eagles. And if he doesn't, it tends to be a uh, a pretty easy move the next week from a, a Darcy to a Cameron. I think that first point you made, Dylan, was really instructive in that Cameron is just a better super coacher at this point in time than, than mm. Sean Darcy. So you can sort of put Cameron forward and he's mobile enough that he might push up the ground a little bit and get sort of you know, a mark outside forward 50 where he's wheeling around. Whereas Darcy, it kind of feels all or nothing. Like he is going to have a game where he kicks four goals and it's amazing and he scores 150. But he's also just not going to touch it um, for long stretches in the forward line. Whereas, yeah, I think Cameron can can manage that a little better. Rain Man, are there any other... Uh, sort of lesser owned options. I was sort of looking at the, you know, the Matt Flynn kind of types who I was really impressed with on the weekend. I thought it was good, you know, in a losing side. Uh, yeah, any interest in him? He's, uh, he's in just 0.8% of teams and yeah, he's looking decent. Um, with no, yeah, with none of the big Brucey boy around. I think decent is, is probably the right call there, Eddie. Um, TDK is probably another one as two. They're, they're kind of going to cap it about 90. They might have a couple of games where they really pop. Um, but, you know, you've only got two positions in Ruck and, and we know it causes us grief every single year. So I wouldn't flirt too much with any of those, you know, what I'd consider mid-price options. If you can afford any of the big boys, uh, as, you know, as Dylan's rightly called out, Darcy Cameron at price is a really good buy given the role that he's got and, and his scoring potential. Anyone else, I, I think you're just mucking around and, and costing yourself another trade later. Worth noting that uh, Matt Flynn 100, had 132 super coach points on the Eagles on the weekend, uh, which yeah, illustrates your point, Dylan and Rain Man, about holding uh, yeah holding our boy for one more week to see how he goes. Now, we need to get to the forward. So um, I want to find out, Dylan, how you're feeling about your forward structure. Are you happy with, you know, we all sort of had the big four plus minus Golden Cornelio. I think we're probably the two, the two on the edge of the big four. Are you happy with how that structure feels to start the year? Yeah, I'm pretty content with it. So I picked um, Dunkley, who's a tick, Cornelio, who I'm, I'm really stoked with. I think, as you said, a lot went good and late. But, yeah. but I'm glad I stuck that with Cornelio. Um, Rosie has sort of been a bit meh to start, but, I mean, he's averaging 95, and, and that's not too bad of an issue. I know he missed uh, a period on the weekend where he, he got hit in the head and had to go off a concussion test and whatnot, but he's been cleared for that. Taranto, he's frustrating to watch because he's just such a, a crap ball user. But again, same thing. He's going 95, so that's, that's not too much of an issue. And then I've got Harry Schiesel and Mateus Filippo as, as my on-field rookies, and they've both been very handy. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty content with my forward structure at the moment. Ended up Gordon being in double the teams that Cornelio was to start the year, which is shocking. And yeah, I was one of the people that went Cornelio to Gordon. I felt like he was the, the least certain of the other four forwards to, to be in that mix by the end of the year. I mean, that, uh, that it's just wrong. That was, that was not a good call. He looks amazing. Um, yeah, Rayman, as I said in the preamble to the pod, I, I think Dacos and Cornelio are my two misses to start the season. So I'm pretty keen on finding a way to get Cogs in. Um, he feels like a number one priority for me in almost in out of every position in the league. Do you think I'm being dramatic there or has he shown enough over these first two games to convince you as well? He's looked pretty good. And I think the way that uh, GWS are playing under Kingsley, it, it really suits him. Um, I also missed him and, and went with Goulden, which I'm completely happy with, uh, but, but he is going to need to be on the radar. I'm hoping he, he can pop a bit of a dud score um, at some stage, he, he tends to be up and down a little bit. He does go on some scoring runs, but that there is always a pop. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, he does drop a little and uh, I'll probably look at getting him a little bit later in the season. 
Dylan, is there anyone else in the forward line that that's a captain has caught your eye over these first two rounds? Maybe someone outside of that big four. We're probably not going to discuss Tanner, Tanner Bruin because I think uh, we all agree that uh, he's probably been a miss. Is there anyone else from that lower bracket in price or ownership that, that stood out to you? I think Jack Zebel is the one that sort of piques my interest a little bit, playing in, in defence, which he did not last year but the year before and, and was a really good buy. He's, um, I think he's gone over 100 both games he's played. And I think if you do have a, a Tanner Bruin or a um, Sam Flanders, I know a few people got sucked into it as well. That's a um, a pretty reasonable pivot, I think. And I think if you are tossing up a, a set of field option in the midfield or a Zeeble forward, I feel like I would almost win the Zeeble camp because if you look at who's going to be a top eight or a top six player in their line, I can't see Setterfield being anywhere near it, whereas I could see a word where Zeeble is a top top eight forward or defender. <laughs> That's a great call. I think, yeah, for whatever reason, I, I can't work it out personally. Coaches at the Kangaroos seem to like him with ball in hand. So uh, he's got another very friendly fantasy role. He's probably going to get DPP at some stage, uh, yeah, which is also very handy. It is just worth noting, though, that Aaron Hall hasn't played yet, and he had 37 touches, I want to say, in the twos on the weekend On in um, come back from a, I don't know if it was a calf or a hammy issue, but he's sort of waiting in the wings. Um, and I think... I, that's just a flag, I think, with Zeeble. I'm not sure how Hall will affect that scoring. Um, but at the end of the day, if you, it's still, if you're tossing up Cedarfield or Zeeble, I think I would rather Zeeble. The other one that uh, just came across my desk, Rob, and I think uh, I'm not going to do it because I don't have enough trades, but I think if you did have no issues elsewhere in your team and you, you wanted a real POD option, I really like Josh Rochelle at 287K. Um, I love the role that he's got at the Crows. He's pushing up. He's playing on the wing. He's he's playing high half forward. Um, if you did have sort of a spare trade up your sleeve, uh, noting that he's gone 116 and 70 in his first two games and probably could have scored more against Richmond, uh, would he be on your radar at all? No. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I, look, I think 70 is closer to where he is, to, to be fair. Um, yeah, he's. He, I think he adds a bit, to, as does Rankin, to their midfield when, when they pop up a little bit. But he, he's not going to be that. Um, I'm with Dylan. I'm, I'm very big on the Jay-Z train. I think I did see something come across my desk on Twitter today around Zeeble scoring with Hall. I think uh, across the period, there was about a 10-point drop with Zeeble, um, with Hall in the side. I, I, I don't. I really don't know and see how Hall plays in that side. Um, he, he's a very unaccountable footballer. I feel like they've got one of those in Jay Z. How many more do they need? Um, I, I don't know if he fits the Clarko mould or not. But yeah, Jay Z with that DPP flex coming in round six, which is he's got to be a Monty for. Mm. If he's if he's your floating F seven D seven, I reckon that's a nice way to to structure your team. Absolutely. And uh, just looking, thanks to Bryce Mitchell again on Twitter. Twitter, his uh, price is projected to get up to 543K by round eight. So yeah, again, like we've said elsewhere with Setterfield, at absolute worst case, it's probably going to be a nice little sideways trade to a, a fallen primo at that point. Um, last thing we've got to get to, boys, is just whether there's any rookies that you think you might have missed out on that you want to grab. Um, I think probably Cade Chandler is the one that we, we really need to talk about because uh, he's going to come into a lot of teams who need cash this week. Dylan, you uh, were speaking about going Chesser to Chandler. What is it about Chandler that, that you like at this point? He's just played two really good games. I, I do hold some concerns over his job security if he does have one or two bad games, given that, that Melbourne have a few. There's probably 10 guys that have to fit into five five positions in their team. Um, so that is a little bit of a concern, but he's been really good. He applies pressure, hits the scoreboard, gets a fair bit of the ball too. So he's certainly one to watch. Um, Caminiti at the Saints, I don't know that I would be using a corrective trade to get him, but he's another one that I don't have that 
um, has been pretty handy. Um, and then the other one I sort of flagged was Ollie Hollands at the Blues, who um, I'm sure, Rayman, you've got some thoughts on him, but he's purely from a football perspective looked really good. Yeah, completely agree. I, I, I love Ollie. I think, you know, it has an enormous tank. You would have watched him a lot as a, a junior, Dylan. Uh, fits really well into that structure. Um, he's going to have a cap ceiling, though. You know, I, I can see he's probably 70, 75 max, which isn't bad. Uh, is slightly elevated price, uh, but but certainly a good pick. But again, I, I wouldn't break the bank to get him or, or, or do, do too much to get him. Um, I think the other one, if you don't have an I, I don't, um, but I know you're the lead cheerleader of his fan club, Eddie, is our good friend Connor McKenna. Um, mm. So I think he needs to be on the radar. He's he's looked really good. I think he complements their back line really well with his run and gun. Um, so he, he might be on the radar for me this week as well. Yeah, I think from my perspective, it feels like one of those weeks where some, there are some years where you sort of have to have two, you've missed out on two rookies that sort of came from nowhere and you have to get them. But I, I feel like this year there, there really isn't any desperate need to go after these guys. Like, sure, if you started a Chesser and he gets dropped this week, then it kind of makes sense to, to try and move things around and get one or two of these guys in. But yeah, I, I personally definitely wouldn't want to be moving heaven and earth to get them, particularly given the issues elsewhere. The only other one that we didn't mention is probably Bodie Euland from the Gold Coast who had a down week. Uh, the week just gone, had 59 in his first game and then uh, mid-30s in his second. So, yeah, whether or not he's long for the team, uh, I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, I think my message would be don't overthink it with the rookies. I think most people got the right options to start with. Now, boys, it's uh, it's obviously a huge year for content, huge time of the year for content. So I wanted to give the SC Playbook subscription package a, a quick plug. It's $50 for the full package. Uh, that gets you access to NRL, AFL and BBL content for the next 12 months. If you don't like the NRL or the BBL, don't worry though. It's thirty dollars for just the AFL package. Now, what that sort of st- what that gets you is extra premium articles every week. So, for example, Stevie Nico, twenty twenty one runner up, he's put his weekly article up on the SC Playbook website today. You can only get access to that if you're a subscriber, um, and it's really really good content. Let me tell you. You also get access to our WhatsApp group where we do weekly Q and As with contributors and the SC Playbook community. Uh, and as well as access to our major unlimited group prize. Now, honestly, boys, I think the WhatsApp chat is the the most valuable prize out of all of that because we're, we're basically available all hours of the day to, to answer your questions, talk about news. Uh, I found it a really useful resource. So if you're interested in that, head to the website. Now, there is also access to our unlimited group prize, which is $500 for the top-ranked subscriber to knock off our team. And if a non-subscriber wins, we'll split 250 each between the winner and the runner-up. The unlimited group code is 345511. Jump in there if you're keen. Now, quickly, boys, I wanted to get to your plans for this week. Currently, as I mentioned, I'm looking at Jack Jack Steele to Cornelio and Jordan Ridley to Dacos. Not planning to boost at this stage. Uh, I I think I could boost. Uh, I kind of want to boost, but I I feel like my edge this season is going to have to be holding my trades because I didn't trade last week, and I feel like I can kind of get ahead of the game by by saving things up and, and going hard at the end of the year. Uh, missing out on Setterfield and LDU, but I, I just need to get Cogs in. I think at this point, it's, it's killing me not having having him. Rob, what are you thinking for this week? What are your current trades? Uh, so still, I need to deal with. So he'll either become Clary or LDU, which will then dictate my other trades. So I really like the idea. I, I uh, started Hunter Clark over Liam Stocker, which was a bit of a fail. Um, doing well from a kind of a fantasy perspective. I think he pumped at 91 fantasy-wise last week, but that was a 60, so his, his disposal efficiency is letting him down a bit. So it's time for him to go because he can go straight to Jay-Z, which I think is probably what I'll do. Um, and then if I do boost, um, it would be looking at Chesser to McKenna. So I feel like that they would probably be my three trades or just either an LDU and a Jay-Z coming in. 
how much stock do you put into holding on to a boost this time of year, given you've already boosted last week? I, I quite like the aggression, to be fair. Um, it, it kind of put me in, in reasonable stead early last year. Um, and I think there's if there's an option, particularly this week, um, to use the booster around before those price trades go up, uh, the prices go up, I, I, I think it's a good one to use. Right, Dylan, what are you thinking in terms of your team this week? Uh, pretty opposite to Rayman, actually. I, I could see a world where I, I don't use a trade at all. Um, wow. Darcy's, Darcy's one issue, but I'm, I'm prepared to hold him for a week. Campbell Chess is another issue, but, I mean, if he gets named, like, is it worth going sideways to Chan? That probably is, and I probably will, but I might not. Um, and then Finn Callahan is the is the intriguing one, I guess, that I'm, I'm still sort of unsure on. Do you move him to Setterfield? Do you move him to a Warple? Or do you use a bit of DPP and get Zeebel in? I, I, I'm going to be priced out of going Setterfield, uh, sorry, um, Callahan to Zeebel, but I miss out by about mm. five grand, which isn't That's great. Annoying. So I have to use a, another trade. And I just don't know how worth it it is. So, um, yeah, I, I could see a world where I don't trade at all. Um, I used one last week to go Stuart to Dacos, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. And I think I'll, I'll wait to see the, the teams um, come Thursday night. Yeah, I'd love to be in your position, Dylan. That sounds pretty nice. Having the option <laughs> not to trade at all this week is uh, is a luxury indeed. Uh, now, it's probably time into the podcast for us to discuss who we're going to put as vice captain and captain this week. Uh, Raymond, I'm going to throw it straight to you. What are you thinking for the VC and C for round three? I like the early games this this week uh, with Doggies and Briz and, and Collingwood Richmond. So I think there's a few options there. I really like Josh Dunkley against the Dogs. The Dogs are yeah. leading to mids at the moment. Um, he loves Marvel. So that, that feels like a really nice VC for me. I can see him kind of going 125-plus quite comfortably. Um, and I really like, and I, I did tweet this, uh, I think, yesterday, Nick Dacos, um, against Richmond feels really nice at the moment too. Richmond bleed to not only mids but half back. So uh, I don't mind that. And if, if I do, if I don't go that and I do bring LDU in, I might just give him the responsibility of putting the armband on wow. against the Hawks wow. down here in Tassie. That is enormous. Are you going to the game? Uh, no, it's at the, <laughs> at the Bogan end of the state. So I'll, I'll stay uh, down here. Damn. You have to. <laughs> you'd be a brave man to pay money to go and watch Hawthorne North Melbourne as well. Yeah, really diehard behaviour that is. <laughs> what about you, Dylan? Uh, yeah, what are you? Where are you leaning for VC and C? Yeah, pretty different actually. I've got um, the vice captain on Bont at the moment. I think the dogs are being just hounded in the media the last couple of weeks, and I, I think they need to respond. Um, and I think being the captain on the side that'll come from Bont. He'll really drive that. So I'm, I'm probably going to look at him as, as the vice captain. And then I've got Clayton Oliver as as the skipper. He um his last three against the Swans have been 134, 125, and 130. So if he can get one of those again, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I I, I don't mind the Dacos shout too. The the only I guess query there would be because he's been so good. Are Richmond obliged to send someone to him? Um, just to sort of have a focus on him. That would be my, my only query there. And it's worth flagging with LDU as well that Finn McGinnis sometimes tags. He didn't tag last week, which was interesting. But, um, you know, it might be one of the game, few games that Hawthorne have a chance of winning all year. Do they do they look at sending McGinnis to, to LDU? Who knows? Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. They, they've got to pull out all the stops, don't they? So otherwise, yeah. it, uh, it's going yeah. to be pretty pretty dangerous. Matt, it'll be a grudge match as well, Clarkson and Mitchell. Neither, neither mm-hmm. lad will want to lose that. So... Yeah, who knows? Might be some funny buggers at play. 
Yeah, one guy not getting a heap of love uh, from either of you guys is Rory Laird. You seem to have jumped off the Laird train. Did only have 93 against Port in their first showdown last year, but had 133 in their second showdown. So um, I think he's, an, again, a pretty safe captaincy option if you were to go one of the vice captains on a Thursday or Friday night. Uh, I think you've got Laird sitting right there as well. Now, before we wrap things up, boys, we do have a couple of listener questions that have come through, which is what we love. We love seeing that. Uh, our socials posts go out every Monday. If you are keen to ask any of us uh, anything about your team or Supercoach in general, where we'd love to answer any of them. So keep an eye out on our Twitter and our Facebook pages. Uh, Adam Sargent has written in, uh, Dylan, he wants to know, so after 16 rebuilding seasons, it seems my pineapple thieves are finally entering the premiership window. Thoughts on trades this week for my team? Happy to boost away. Looking at moving on Rich, Iden, Holmes or Perkins from our side, unless you see a better move. Dylan, what have you got for Adam? So I think the first one I'd do, and it, I've just brought his team up now, a bit of a no-brainer. I'd go Iden to McKenna. That'll free up about oh, 180 grand, I think, if my maths are correct. Um, I think I'd hold Max Holmes. He, he's averaging 89, and for a guy that's 360K, that's probably what you, you'd be pretty happy with that, I would have thought, if you have punted on him. Um, so then I guess you, you, your dilemma is, what do you do with Archie Perkins and... Um, Daniel Rich, I think, is a hold too. So I'd, I'd probably look at going... Um, oh, actually, having said that, you don't have Dacos. I'd probably go Rich to Dacos, Iden to McKenna, and then look at upgrading Perkins to to whoever the, the best player is that you can get. Um, just looking, you've got Taranto um, as, your, as your main guy, Errol Gould, and I'd look at probably a, a Josh Dunkley there if you can get up to him. Love it. Very good advice, Dylan. Uh, Paul on Twitter wants to know, Rain Man, who do you think the two premium Ruckman are that we should have in our team? I think that's a very uh, pertinent question. Uh, it's going to be very hard to answer. But if you had your time again to start the year, uh, who would be the two premium Ruckman that, that you'd go with at R1 and R2? Yeah, I reckon it's got to be English and Marshall. Um, yep. English hasn't put a foot wrong. Uh, clearly, you know, there's always an injury risk with him. Uh, Marshall would look great, particularly on the weekend. I, I, th- I thought he was really good. So that'd be the two. I think if, you, if you're rolling with those two, uh, that'd be really good. It certainly wouldn't be our, our friend Big Shrek. No, absolutely not, unfortunately. Uh, that's about all we've, time, we've got time for tonight, boys. Thank you so much for your time, as always, on the pod. Um, hit us up on our socials. Hit up Dylan Bolch on his socials. Hit up Rain Man on his socials if you want to see uh, some quality super coach and news coming through on Twitter. So thanks very much for your time tonight, boys. Uh, we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, guys.